0: Now, my topic here, uh, media reforms in Zimbabwe. You may ask why media reforms. I think uh, you have heard about that topic for a very long time. Uh, Media reforms, because whatever reforms have taken place, particularly on radio, which I'm focusing on, uh, have not been complete. There is plurality, of course, because we've moved uh, from uh, one radio station or... ZBC radio stations, and we now have other radio stations. But what we're discussing at the moment in these reforms is to ensure that there are more private players because the stations that are there are mainly stations that belong to the government or belong to government parastatals. We'll get to that. But it's also good to contextualize where are we coming from. Uh, What was the situation before What road have we traveled with regards uh, to media reforms? And where are we going to? Before independence, like I said, we had two RBC stations and RBC and later ZBC uh, had monopoly. And this was uh, guided by what is known or what was known as the Broadcasting Act of 1957. So it was operational uh, before independence. And it got into our independence and continued for quite a long time until uh, other reforms uh, came in. So with the African service, where I started off, and we've got with the European service, which was also known as the general service. So at independence, as a matter of policy, uh, we continued with those. And we also had some regional stations, but they all belonged to ZBC. You had a regional station in Harare called Radio Jacaranda. You had another one in Bulawayo called Radio Matopo. You had another one in Mtare called Radio Manika and another one in the Midlands. So, But they all belonged to the Arab BC and then later they belonged to the ZBC. And then the new government in 1980 under the former president, Robert Mugabe, at that time he was the Prime Minister, invited the BBC uh, to come over and study the situation uh, at uh, ZBC, at Independence, with a view to recommending how ZBC can be transformed. It was not really the reforms that affected private players and so forth, it was the ZBC. So you'll find that uh, at that time the BBC team that came at independence in Zimbabwe at the invitation of Mr. Mugabe, transformed ZBC to almost, you know, a mini BBC. You know, you then had uh, radio stations being increased to four, and you had the new names of these radio stations, like Radio 1, Radio 2, Radio 3, and Radio 4. And these are the names that one would also find at the BBC, as I later found out, uh, when I, I went to study the radio at BBC Radio training, that uh, our titles, you know, our radio stations, our format of programming was all modelled on the BBC lines because of the recommendations of the that uh, team which came to Zimbabwe at the invitation of Mr Mugabe, uh, which made recommendations as to how it will be structured. So the former African service. Uh, became radio 2 and it was still focusing you know on the majority of audiences who spoke in the national languages of Shona and Ndebele and then radio uh, the general service or the European service as it was known you know was now focusing on English programming but not necessarily you know for white people but for people who chose you know, to listen to programs in English. Because the former European service, uh, it was the European service, because you were meant to listen to it and feel as if you were in England. So even the type of programming, most of them were, you know, sort of bringing those memories of during our time in England, before we came to Rhodesia. That was the kind of programming you'd get. But then at independence, after this restructuring, what then happened was that uh, it was then transformed to a station for people who chose to listen to programs in English. Then there was a new edition which was called Radio 3 for the youth because there was really nothing for the youth at the time. And most of the youth were listening to radio stations in neighboring countries like the LM Radio, Radio 5, you know, and so forth. So it was felt that let's have a radio for the youth uh, so that they don't have to listen, you know, on shortwave or medium wave to stations beaming from Mozambique, uh, like uh, LM Radio, and then uh, Radio 5, I think, it was beaming from South Africa, as well as Swazi so music radio, because you, you could get those in uh, Zimbabwe. Then uh, later in the years, you know, of our early days of independence, you know, then advocacy began, you know, instead of focusing mainly on just, you know, Increasing stations on of, of ZBC, you know, organisations like the Media Institute of Southern Africa, uh, we then lobbying, you know, Parliament especially to say we need to change legislation. We need to break the ZBC monopoly so that we have other players, you know, in radio. Because I'm focusing here on radio. Uh, since we had radio days. But this also affected even newspapers, it affected television. Right now as I speak, we still have one television channel in Zimbabwe. Uh, so besides the DSTV, it's really one television channel. So uh, that's when you know people began to understand that uh, there's no diversity, even if ZBC has increased its radio stations uh, to four or five, because later on they increased it to to five, they had another one, Broadcasting on Shortwave. But what was also important was to make it a true public broadcaster, you know, and transform from a state-controlled uh, broadcaster, and also to have other players, you know, from the private sector. So this needed, you know, a review of the, or a reform of legislation. And the Broadcasting uh, Services Act of 1957, monopoly of uh, ZBC's monopoly through that act was broken uh, by a radio station which just uh, took advantage you know of the fact that uh, nothing had changed it was called capital radio so they started broadcasting you know and the uh, government moved in to shut down that station uh, capital radio but you know it set you know the tone uh, rolling uh, because what then happened some Broadcasting guidelines were then, you know, released and then steps towards coming up with the Broadcasting Services Act. The current Broadcasting Services Act uh, came into play and uh, there are still some issues, of course, with the Broadcasting Services Act because uh, it, it, uh, you know, gives power to the minister to appoint the Broadcasting Authority and also uh, the Broadcasting Authority... uh, does not immediately license uh, stations you know on a regular basis but it can take quite some time before making any calls you know for radio stations uh, or potential radio stations to apply uh, for licenses so when the regulations came out and then the broadcasting services act was enacted we thought uh, within a few years would have truly private uh, uh, radio stations but it took quite some time and this gave rise uh, to the proliferation of some alternative media which by and large was described by government as pirate radio stations so this procrastination brought about alternative media uh, that was broadcasting you know, on other platforms like shortwave and then later on social media, on satellite television and so forth I think uh, you have heard about uh, Radio Voice of the People, the one that I work for as the Executive Director, uh, which was broadcasting on shortwave for quite some time, using the transmitters of Radio Netherlands, and uh, that was a, a business deal because we were paying for those transmitters. I think you have heard of uh, uh, VO, VOA Studio 7, which is still broadcasting on shortwave and medium wave at the moment. Those are stations uh, that came about in order to close this gap Uh, Because back home, uh, the stations that were there were really, you know, state-controlled stations as it were. Then you also had quite a a number of uh, stations also broadcasting online. These stations that I'm talking about also went online and went on satellite television. And also, uh, the community radio station initiatives also grouped together uh, to ensure that they also ready themselves for being licensed and they came under the banner of what is called the Zimbabwe Association of Community Radio Stations, ZAKRAS. And uh, they prepared themselves, uh, understanding what communities were all about and uh, being uh, uh, learning from other best practices from different parts of the world. But until now, not a single community radio station has been licensed in Zimbabwe. Unlike like the situation we find in neighboring countries like South Africa, quite a lot of them. I don't know, I've lost count now. I think they're over 150, aren't they? Under the, they're now 300 under the National Community Radio Forum. And then in Zambia, they're also doing well. In Mozambique, they're doing well. Uh, I think Botswana as well. But it's Zimbabwe and Eswatini at the moment, I think, which they do not have uh, uh, community radio stations. So these initiatives have also been yearning uh, for being licensed. Now there came what we, you know, have even described as cosmetic legislative uh, changes, you know, uh, that brought about some of the new stations which are, which is a very good idea in terms of uh, plurality in that, you know, we no longer talk of ZB stations only, but we now have quite a number of stations. But why are we still talking then about uh, media reforms when we have all these radio stations uh, that have been uh, licensed? Uh, radio stations still belong uh, to some parastaters of government, still belong to influential people in the ruling party. And so uh, this is why even at this point in time we are still talking about these reforms that I'm going to delve Uh, Deeper into a later stage. So, that statutory instrument that I talked about, as I said, it paved the way for the Broadcasting Services Act. And then, uh, like I said, it gave uh, excessive powers uh, to the minister, uh, especially on the composition of the bars, because people preferred that those going on the bars, like what is uh, uh, happening, have to be, uh, uh, like what happens in the press, have to be interviewed publicly. So that uh, you know their profiles are known and so forth, rather than just being appointed. And then, uh, local content expectations were still new, but I think many people have now embraced them. That is, it is important for radio stations in a country uh, to delve much uh, more on local content than only depending on foreign content. And then, there was a call, the first call for radio licences in 2005, and very few you know, responded to that. It was very short. Uh, My station responded to that and I think we were probably the first to submit our application and the deadline was extended because others had not done so, so others in between had to register. And then uh, when the call ended, none of us was invited for interviews by the Broadcasting Authority except one television channel uh, called Monomotape, African Broadcasting. And, but, but of course, they were not uh, granted a license, so that was the first call. And this uh, call for radio licenses, or the yearning for radio licenses, went on until we had. I think you all remember that in Zimbabwe, you know, due to our political problems, we had a government of national unity uh, between the ruling, the now ruling party, which was uh, uh, has been ruling since independence, Zanu PF, and the Movement for Democratic Changes. Uh, after there had been some disputes in the election, and the President Tabombegi and the, later on President Zuma you know, were mediators in that uh, you know, process. And that process also made mention you know, of reforms in the media. And with regards to radio, there was a clause that called on all those radio stations which were broadcasting from neighboring countries as well as abroad to come back home and apply for radio licenses. So you can imagine there was a lot of excitement that uh, you know people were then coming back home, they're they no longer going to be broadcasting on shortwave, on medium wave, which are very difficult really uh, to access, and they're going to uh, also be applying for radio licenses. So in the process, Bars made a call uh, for broadcasting licenses and the number of players responded to that. And even my radio station was also invited for interviews together with uh, other radio stations. Uh, one uh, belonged uh, to Zimbabwe Newspapers 1980 Private Limited, which is Zimpapers, uh, which uh, really falls under, uh, and under government. And then the other was uh, by a prominent uh, journalist who is uh, a member of parliament in the ruling party. And also became a minister, and then other private players uh, like Kiss FM, which uh, brought in the late uh, music superstar Oliver Mtukudzi, some bankers, and uh, uh, former broadcasters in Zimbabwe who are now uh, operating from Zimbabwe. So you can, you can see that there was that you know, excitement uh, due to to those reforms that were taking place. But uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, you know they were only looking for two. Uh, unfortunately uh, unfortunately for us, uh, we did not uh, get that license. It was uh, got by Zimpapers as well as the gentleman. Uh, I also shared the platform with him here at Radio Days a few years ago, just about the time when he had been granted his, his license. So those are the stations uh, which then took the national free-to-air commercial space uh, in the name of Star FM from Zimpapers as well as uh, ZFM from what is known as AB communication. But uh, as time went on, when more calls for licenses were made, especially for the local commercial radio licenses, which are at times mixed up with community radio stations, you know, there's a difference there. These are just like regional stations in different cities. So not many applicants as expected, because really in most of the smaller towns, There are no businesses that could, you know, have sustained a commercial radio station. So we also threw in an application. We're not successful. And other players came on board. I think uh, I remember a player called uh, Alpha Media. we owned by Trevor Nube, who also has some business interests here in South Africa. They also put in some applications. And uh, uh, the applications, most of them went to Zim Papers again and AB Communication. So as you speak right now, in Zimbabwe or in Harare, uh, we have Star FM, which belongs to Zimpapers. And then you go to a city uh, called Mutare. We've got Diamond FM. It also uh, belongs to Zimpapers. And we also have Capital, and which was uh, headed by my uh, colleague here, um, Napoleon Yani, for, for some time. I think you established it, isn't it? Yes, he actually moved from Star FM to establish Capitalk. Uh, you know, it, 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 the, the license had been obtained by a, a, a book company publishing, you know, actually a book selling company called Kingston's, which also belonged to Zim Papers. But then you know, that license ended up belonging to Zim Papers and there's still a question mark as to how that happened. But however, it helped to establish Capitalk, uh, which is a, a, a talk radio company. Uh, Based in Harare, dealing mainly with issues uh, to do with the capital. So, and then the other stations, like I said, they belong uh, to ZFM. You find them in Mashingo. Uh, you also find one in Gweru, I think. Then you had another one, uh, which uh, belonged at that time. It was associated with the former Minister of Information, Professor Jonathan Moyo, uh, which is in Bulawayo. Uh, that's. Uh, Sky is uh, Metro. It's broadcasting right now, isn't it? And then they also have another one in uh, Victoria Falls. Yeah. Then the other minister, uh, opened also uh, with some with some broadcasting colleagues, uh, applied for one, but they were not successful. And the reasons usually given in, in some of these cases that are, although he belonged to the establishment, probably he belonged to a, a, a wrong faction, as it were, because also factionalism plays a very important role in, in some of these decisions. So these are uh, some of the things that have happened. Then community broadcasting every year, they are promised, yeah, and, you know, we're looking into your issue in the next 100 days. we are looking into your issue, you know, and ministers are changed and so forth. They, they, they pretend that they've never heard about the story. Tell me, what is it that you want? No, but the other minister with well, the meeting, you know, two months ago. So it's always, you know, over and over again. And uh, you, you don't uh, you, you don't get anything conclusive. So this is why we are still yearning for those resources. I, I, I forgot to mention another station, you know, which is in a mining area called uh, Zushavani. It's called YFM. Uh, it's owned by a former director general of the Zimbabwe Broadcasting Corporation, Nyaradzi Wengwere. Now, let's look at uh, some of the signals. Some of the things that uh, may indicate to us that really in terms of uh, editorial policy, you know, some of these stations really struggle, you know, to be open. They really struggle uh, to move away, you know, uh, from uh, their state control or from their hidden state control and so forth. The change of government that took place in November 2017, you'll be surprised that that story, was never told in Zimbabwe. Zimbabweans never heard that story from Zimbabwean radio stations. If they did, they were just doing that as an afterthought because those who really told the story were the BBC, uh, ENCA, and uh, uh, to some extent SABC, and and I, I've forgotten some of the other stations. I Last year, I was appointed as the spokesperson of the... Halema a commission of inquiry into august 1 shootings that took place in harare resulting in the death of six people you know and as we're trying to look for audios for, uh, as we're trying to look for you know video footage uh, and anything that would assist the commission in order to find evidence as to who exactly shot those uh, six people those uh, zimbabwean uh, six people you know you could not get that evidence from any you know, radio station. You could not get that evidence from the television station. And we had even to ask the government through the Ministry of Information to make an appeal to international media. So they did put up that appeal to the international media to, to say, please help us if you have got the footage you know, of You know, what happened on the 1st of August? Because this was a day after uh, the end of the elections and people were were demonstrating about the uh, delay in the announcement of some results and it resulted uh, in the police and the army going onto the streets and uh, ended up uh, with the shooting uh, of these six people. So, uh, as the spokesperson, I was responsible for getting in touch with all these uh, other uh, stations internationally. And uh, uh, the footage that was used by the commission, most of it came from ENCA, because ENCA really were live in Harare most of the time, and the BBC, you know. So at least, you know, the footage that uh, we got uh, was from outside the country and not from inside. So these are some of the uh, examples that I'm I'm trying to put across to say, you know, when you have these stations, they are very careful not to say much about the owner, uh, because Uh, there will be trouble, you'll burn your hands, you know, you get fired, you know, because of that. So, uh, there was also the internet shut down because of the demonstrations uh, that took place uh, because of the rising cost of living. Again, these stations were silent. If anything, they can only uh, broadcast about, you know, instigation by the opposition parties and civil society and so forth. But uh, where uh, government has faltered, they will not say much as it were. So this is why we're s- still saying, no, we need diversity. We, we need professionalism. We-, we need to talk about these things. We, we not- need to look at both sides you know, of the coin as demanded by our profession. Uh, but it's very difficult you know, at times you know, when it affects your owner uh, to be very critical in some instances. And uh, you also hear of some you know silent uh, instructions being given that be careful as to who you invite to your programs be careful about uh, what you report about and so forth so resiliently you also find that uh, there will be very little reportage uh, about uh, know the whole story of what will be going on just going back to the change of government in 2017 you will recall i think most of you were following events in zimbabwe you will recall that the army, you know, under the current vice president, you know, they held a meeting just to talk about some of the things that they were concerned about, uh, where they felt that the former president was not really following the constitution, and uh, there was seemingly an influence coming from the former first lady and so forth. So that meeting was well publicized on social media, you know, and not on any ZBC channel. Uh, The meeting of the general Was on social media. Uh, It was only publicised on ZBC channels after you know there'd been a a, a new government. That's when that footage. I think they even to ask for that footage from Sly Media which is the one which uh, actually broadcast live the event you know, when, when uh, General Chiwenga was addressing uh, the army officers about why they were concerned about the situation in the country at that time. So you, you can see why there, there's been you no know, need for all these uh, reforms. I also mentioned there the internet shut down, that there was really uh, n- nothing much coming uh, out of the stations. Uh, what would come out is maybe a day later when they have studied the situation and feel that you know they are in a safe zone and they can talk about that. But while it's happening, you know, you listen to the station, you watch TV, you know, uh, there will be so- something different. Like on the night, you know, all of us were kept awake. On the uh, was it the fifteenth or seventeenth of November? Fifteenth uh, of November, we are all awake when we heard that the army was going to issue a statement. You know. And and we, it was coming out on social media, but you know, there was nothing to indicate that something of that sort was going to happen on ZBC until very early in the morning, where we saw the man in uniform saying that Zimbabwe had moved to another level. I think all of us are well aware of that footage. That's when we also saw the footage, you know, that we had not seen. Or on national television, also being repeated, uh, you know, continuously, and so forth. So the internet shut down, uh, the the events of 15 November, and then the cost of uh, cost of living-related demonstrations, uh, blame on the opposition, civic society, and so forth. Uh, and, and not much. Uh, very late statements coming uh, coming officially from the government, and then I've also alluded to the August one shootings, and uh, again blame on the opposition and the and then civil society, and then critical voices generally silenced. some of these things maybe they may not have verification, but you'll find that there are certain voices who are not favorites at, at such times. you know whereas in a reformed environment, uh, people should be invited and actually taken to task about their views. you know bring them together with uh, uh, those who have got divergent views, and then the people will make their own choice as to. Uh, what to, to follow. So I was just giving you the background that this issue of uh, media reforms in Zimbabwe is not a new issue at all. Quite a number uh, of things that I've tried to explain to give you, you know, an overall picture have happened. Now, it is important for now uh, to, to understand what exactly uh, we want as media. What are the expectations? And how have these expectations been coming about? Mind you, in the past uh, few months, few years, uh, after all these changes that I talked about, these were being dismissed. You know, calls coming from media advocacy groups like the Media Institute of Southern Africa, uh, coming from uh, the the Media Alliance of Zimbabwe were being dismissed. But the, the, the new dispensation you know, the new government, they said, no, no, we are committed to media reforms. And I think before independence, our president, uh, President Edim Nangagwa, did mention that you know, after our elections, we really need to look at media reforms. And uh, the media fraternity, including the radio uh, sector, has welcomed those. And what is important now is to put across what exactly do we want? Because at times... Uh, there's a tendency of just saying no, 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 because it has come from government uh, therefore <laughs> it's no good all. but you know, what we're edging ourselves through our membership organizations is to ensure that you know, we participate in these things, we fully understand and guided by some of these uh, organizations who bring different people who talk about best practice who, who talk about legislation uh, experiences in other countries, we then have to understand what's going on so, uh, it's a bit small, but uh, we look at governance. On governance, we say the provisions of the Broadcasting Services Act and the ZBC Act should be amended, particularly to ensure board appointment processes are consistent with gender parity provided under the Constitution and licensing of radio stations should not be male-dominated. So, some you know, CSOs and media advocates have said that has to be ensured. We don't want a board, you know, of a public broadcaster uh, that is just uh, staffed, you know, by partisan uh, people. So that's why there have always been calls for interviewing these boards publicly. Then, the the process itself must be transparent. The the previous processes, including the constitutional reforms, were usually uh, attacked uh, because they involved political parties only. You know, like the the, the last constitution. There are other groups which did not participate because they said, no, no, this is a political process between ZANU-PF and the MDC. We want a process that is inclusive, that also includes civil society organizations, churches, and so forth. So transparency in this process has really been uh, called for, and time and time again, uh, the media has been writing about that process so that uh, media is also included to allow public participation and parliamentary oversight. And then there's the, also the ZBC Act, which must be amended to insulate the editorial independence of the ZBC to be really public. And this is usually shown during the elections whereby you can see some bias. You know, I watch you know, you know, election you know, broadcasting in South Africa, in the UK, and, and in America, where you see you know, different players openly participating, you know, even in live broadcasts. And so forth but uh, you know this is not the kind of experience that we have especially on the public broadcaster and uh, so on governance there is that call then on community broadcasting like i said right up to now we don't have any community radio stations Uh, unfortunately in some circles some people were saying these local commercial radio stations are community broadcasting stations and it is through the advocacy groups like zakras misa and so forth that the record has been set straight that those ones have not been established as community radio stations, but they are local commercial or regional stations. So let's not confuse issues because at one time some officials in government were saying, no, look here, we already have uh, commercial stations in Bulawayo, in the shavane and so forth so the advocacy groups have put that in place and uh, i also listened to government officials like a permanent secretary actually saying yes uh, we allow community stations to be established Uh, that he said when i was uh, attending world radio day uh, this year so it it was a welcome relief uh, to uh, broadcasters so a licensing framework for community broadcasting especially community radio stations should be developed and implemented that is very important. You know, for quite some time, you know, as we're discussing these reforms, there was a lot of, uh, you know, backwards and forth uh, discussion about what is a community. You know, uh, describing a community became an issue, and yet there are set standards, there are best practices that would define a community. So again, I think that has been put to rest, to rest, and we will be able to. You know, to have community radio stations licensed without any problem, and then uh, international best practices, like I said, you know, from your own experience here, the National Community Radio Forum, from AMAC, you know, the World Association of Community Radio Stations. I think they have they, put together some documentation that can help those people uh, who will be going into uh, those processes, and then. Government should allocate some funds for community radio development. I think it's an example from here. Uh, in South Africa, I think uh, the Department of Communication has been helping uh, community radio for quite some time. And uh, I know your MDDA, the Media Development and Diversity um, Agency, has been, you know, helping set up uh, the, these stations. And then later on, they, they stand on their own. I happen to have worked with quite a number of comment radio stations and at one time uh, my station was briefly in exile not that uh, i didn't go into exile myself i would just come here almost every month but i had staff working from here and we were assisted by bush radio we worked from bush radio in cape town for quite some time before we moved uh, to our own premises then even when we came here our offices were just around the corner at the media park there so we were there for quite some time you know so uh, now when we only went back during the government of national unity as as an entity in in order to apply for a license and like i said we applied three times and we're not successful in our applications although we believe uh, and we are convinced that we've we put up very strong points but i think our history (laughs) was not attractive enough uh, to ensure that we 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 obtain these licenses and then on licensing uh, the broadcasting services act should be amended to allow the regulator bars to specify when applications uh, should be called for. Like I said, bars can go on for five years without calling for licenses, and the broadcasters are saying, no, no, that uh, time is too long, because time, uh, every year there the are new players wanting, wanting to come on board. So bars uh, should do that uh, more regularly than what they've been doing. And then uh, cross-ownership should be limited. I think that's another call uh, that, that has been made. Uh, Cross ownership. I, I did mention that the stations that we have at the moment are coming from newspaper organizations, uh, the same newspaper organization and the same entrepreneur. Uh, so I think here yeah, the call really is for more players to be involved in all this. So these are some of the key expectations. And these key expectations came from an inquiry that took place. You know, the government uh, set up what was called. The, uh, it wasn't a commission of inquiry, uh, Napoleon, just MP, give me the uh, I'll remember what it was. but it was an inquiry when you remember, please tell me, uh, it was an inquiry that was made uh, in order to find out exactly what the people, ordinary people in different parts of the country, wanted as far as media reforms were concerned. So this is the section that I extracted from the MP report. It was actually, you know, presented like this. They actually had these subheadings on governance. This is what we expect on community broadcasting. This is what we expect, and uh, on uh, licensing. This is what is expected. Yes. Yes. So it was. It was nothing to do with fighting. It was nothing to do with war, uh, as the name implies. impi but uh, it was to do with uh, again uh, Napoleon. Yeah. And it constituted uh, some senior journalists. You know, it was headed by a, a colleague who has been in, in journalism for quite some time, Jeffrey Nyarota, and most editors in the papers, private and public uh, papers, were part of that uh, Commission of Inquiry. Uh, Napoleon, you were you were part of it? Eh? No. <laughs> okay. So they, they went round the country, you know, having some road shows, going to halls, you know, gathering people. Asking what what do you think about radio? What type of radio do you want in future? There was a yearning for community radio because there had been a lot of advocacy. How about newspapers? You know, what do you think of the ZBC and all those things? uh, Were recorded into a a voluminous book uh, by the MP. or the. (laughs) Yes, right. So, so let's see honesty and transparency please now this is what is coming from the civil civil society organizations you know who are very active let me just mention them by name those who have really you know been putting the broadcasting reforms on the agenda you know even the initiatives by Zakras, the Zimbabwe Association of community radio stations actually started at the Media Institute of southern Africa Misa. They are a baby of MISA, but they wind out and they are now standing on their own. So MISA started publishing books. You know, you know, critiquing. You know, the Broadcasting Act. This is good. No, this is not good. Uh, we recommend this. This is good. We don't think this is good. We recommend this. So this is how people became aware, and they also made sure that they involved parliamentarians. But of course you know with the turnover at parliament each time you have new parliamentarians it's like you're starting afresh Uh, only a month ago i was invited uh, to make a presentation about uh, the future of community radio to parliamentarians these were totally new but yet i know i've addressed similar gatherings in the past so you know you're always doing it again and again to make sure that those uh, who are there you're leaving Okay, so to, to make sure that those who are there fully understand uh, what's going on. So, the, 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 most of this I extracted from an amalgamation or an association of media CSOs, which is called the Media Alliance of Zimbabwe, (MAS). Uh, it, it includes uh, the MISA that I've mentioned, it includes the ZAKRAS, it includes the Zimbabwe National Editors Forum, uh, it includes as well the the voluntary media council of zimbabwe uh, and, and, and and others i may have not mentioned so they they have been representing the media they have also have been calling for workshops so that they conscientize uh, media uh, particularly you know those in radio uh, especially on the zakra side so that they fully understand you know, what's going on and so that they can also put across their suggestions and not cry foul, because people have a tendency of crying foul when they have not been participating in anything. I, I, I think uh, I, I, we take leave from Brexit. I think during Brexit, people were not serious even in their voting. So it, it has put them in a mess, because now they are serious. They are now looking at, uh, at issues. They, I, I was following the voting patterns during the time. They were very low, but there is no serious discussion, because it, uh, it has got serious implications. So this is what we do as human beings. We should participate in these things. And back home, we are always being urged as radio broadcasters that you know, your views must be known, read widely, attend different uh, conferences, understand what is good for you, make them known to the relevant people. Don't just discuss them in taxis and lifts without uh, you know, putting them across. So the, these organizations must put across this expeditious and genuinely reform the country's media laws uh, in a process that is transparent and inclusive. So they've been really following uh, and also urging the media to write about it. And then uh, the media, uh, the country's media, particularly the broadcasting sector, must be opened up to genuinely independent and community-based initiatives. So because there was also talk that government was also trying you know, to influence the formation of community radio stations, and uh, the media advocacy groups are saying, "No, no, let the communities themselves form these uh, stations. They should not be controlled by government. They should not, uh, you know, have government influence, except advocacy, just to say what is a community radio, what is uh, uh, w- what is good for the community." But that again has to be done by advocacy group, and uh, government departments are not uh, in a position; should not be in a position to be the ones spearheading that. And then, uh, government should address the sustainability challenges. Uh, I think I've already talked, especially about the community radio sector. But that also in- includes the media in general. I think all of you, will, uh, whether you'll agree with me, I don't know, maybe you're vibrant here yeah, in South Africa. You've got lots of money, lots of advertising. But back home, we're really struggling. I don't know how you're doing, Napoleon on Capital. Uh, you're cushioned, at least, by Zim papers. I could see your reports you know, that uh, the papers made so much and <coughs> they lost went to radio stations and so forth. So I hope by the time you left you were making money, you were breaking even. Yeah, well, the young the young people were really doing well, you know, with these new stations. We we're really excited about these new stations, except that they can be more diverse. As you can see, they're led by very young people and so forth. But of course, at times they get their fingers bent because of the enthusiasm that, that they have. But, uh, by and large they've really brought up us about some uh, plurality uh, although we're still yearning for diversity so sustainability i don't know may i ask you are we all sustainable in our country we're all getting money that one they're getting money yeah from government yes but from advertising you know our industry is dead back home and i'm sure you're reading a lot about our currency you know and so forth so we really have sustainability programs uh, problems So, in in a way, in the Broadcasting Act, there's provision for the uh, establishment of a broadcasting fund. But I really have not heard any report about that fund, or I've not even heard about who benefited from that fund. I don't think it even exists. No, because such a fund should then help, not that it will carry you forever, but just to help establish, and then uh, you, 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 you see it through on your own. There is a uh, digitisation which is taking place. At times, it's stalled uh, because of uh, funding problems. Again, it will uh, bring a lot of opportunities uh, in the radio and television sector. And uh, there again, the media advocacy groups have been, you know, lobbying and advocating for growth in the radio sector when the digitization uh, takes place. And then, uh, like I said, all stakeholders are aged to play their active parts in the reform process uh, that is taking place. So it's actually taking place now. And uh, uh, we are all urged uh, to participate, to make sure that uh, you know we are, we're active players in that so that we don't cry foul. So I think, ladies and gentlemen, I've been talking for quite some time. Uh, what is it uh, in, some, uh, in some of you came a, a little bit late uh, that I was talking about? Uh, I was giving the historical background of the media reform process with emphasis on the growth uh, and development of radio in Zimbabwe from uh, pre-colonial is it, that's pre before independen- um, pre-independence uh, pre-independence times uh, up to the present day Unfortunately, fortunately I've been player, a player since 1974 when I joined broadcasting so I would uh, imagine Jonathan I was speaking with authority <laughs> because I've seen both sides of the coin so I gave that historical background uh, as to what was being changed, you know, uh, what existed before independence, uh, and then what was changed uh, at independence, not as a matter of legislation, but as a matter of policy, you know, by the new government, and then how, you know, advocacy then started, you know, looking at legislation so that some of these things would be changed through proper legislation, like repealing the Broadcasting Services Act. Then I went on uh, to talk about, uh, you know, the advocacy for licensing, uh, the government of national unity and what what came uh, through it, the stations that were licensed, starting with the national commercial radio stations and then the local uh, original radio stations, uh, but still no community radio stations. And uh, how now within the current uh, reform process, we are saying, uh, community radios should also be included. I, I enjoyed the session yesterday where someone just came up with a question that do we really need them? I, I wish, uh, you know, Zakras members were here. They were going to uh, skin him alive. <laughs> <laughs> they're so passionate uh, about these community radio stations. So then I also looked at how, you know, those who have been licensed uh, have performed, uh, which uh, conclusively, means that they are plural, but they are not diverse. We still need more diversity. We welcome the changes that have taken place. Very good programs really coming out of them, but there are certain sticky issues that still need to be addressed. And also we need other private players, real private players, not only those linked with the state. And then um, I also talked about the expectations that came out of the IMPI panel of inquiry, as well as what the Media Alliance which brings together the media and uh, CSOs, you know, has also been, been calling for. So, in a nutshell, this is what uh, uh, is happening in Zimbabwe. I don't know whether there are other examples uh, you know, in other parts of Africa or the world where r- the reform process in broadcasting has taken such a long time, but uh, this is where we are at the moment, and we really hope that there's going to be transparency and there's going to be honesty and truthfulness, so that we really uh, end up with uh, a, a really a diversified, you know, a, a environment, that rather than just uh, you know a lot of stations saying the same thing with the same editorial policy, afraid to certain to do certain things and so forth. So uh, I think the, there's five minutes left. Uh, if there are any, uh, oh,
1: I'll leave that to you. <laughs> yes, I think there's just five minutes left, and thank you so much to Ntate John Masuku uh, for for the presentation. Um, ladies and gentlemen, if there are any questions, please, we've got five minutes to take through the question. This microphone is short, I saw it yesterday, the cable, will you be able, able to- my voice is the- you a broadcaster yeah. <laughs> Alright. Uh, hello, yes, uh, g- good morning colleagues. Uh, Um, My name is Maurice. I'm from China, Africa, SABC. Uh, Mr. Masuku, you have mentioned something about the broadcasters, uh, Zimbabwean broadcasters residing outside Zimbabwe. Now, my my question is on that. How effective are the Zimbabwe radio broadcasters that are transmitting from outside Zimbabwe? And uh, you have mentioned those who are doing so through the shortwave and AM, I, I think there's another program that is coming from Voice of America. So how effective are they in Zimbabwe? I, what, what I just need to find out uh, to test is uh, uh, is there still uh, any appetite for AM and shortwave radio in Zimbabwe? Um, uh, I think I think basically that's, that's, that's my, my question. Uh, there's
0: sure. a lot of you know, where you are, where you are missing news, where, where things are happening and you are not told, you know, you tend to look around uh, as to who can tell you the news. I remember I told you about the situation uh, at the change of government, that, you know, not very, in fact, nothing was being said inside the country. You know, the broadcasters inside the country were also confused, you know, and you know that most of them were aligned to the previous government. So they were very quiet about it, but we did not miss that news. It came from these stations that you are talking about. So people would look around, even if they didn't have a shortwave radio. I think they bought it at that time, uh, and uh, people still do access a shortwave, especially in the rural areas. And I can tell you, VOA Studio Seven uh, is very, very popular because uh, it reaches far and wide. Uh, I know, in terms of the Zimbabwe all media product surveys, which have got uh, an urban bias, they may have low figures, but just talk to any elderly person you know who resides in the rural areas including some young people they are well informed politically most probably more well informed than some of us who live in the cities because they access these stations on shortwave on medium wave particularly VOA studio 7 because you know it uses so many frequencies as well as medium wave which is not very far from uh, from FM. Of course, uh, FM uh, is 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 uh, m- much uh, much clearer and so forth. But medium wave is very uh, easy to access. You can access it, close it today, and tomorrow you open your radio; it's still on the same band. Whereas with short wave, you have to start looking for it again. But I can tell you that uh, so many people access these stations. The the figures may may not be all that high but they've uh, informed and educated a lot of Zimbabweans about what is going on. And then the free-to-air, we also, I did not mention that as a consortium of these uh, alternative media, we also formed what was called Channel Zim, which was broadcasting on satellite television. Not on those radio stations that are on satellite, but we're actually on TV and with pictures, but of course our signal was audio, and I can tell you it was really coming up. It was based here at the old Radio VOP offices in Mill Park, uh, but it only lasted for about three years. But again, because of funding constraints, we ended up closing it. But we were building up some audiences. Nowadays, uh, Channel Africa, I'm sure you also do the same. You know, you you want to find yourself in so many platforms so that people can follow you, and uh, Zimbabweans will always get those platforms.
1: Morning, everyone. Um, my name is Olani. I'm a content producer um, at UJFM. I just want to find out, um, Uncle. you said um, radio is not doing well currently um, in Zimbabwe, right? Um, so I just want to find out, Is it's not exactly doing well in, 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 in Zim, right? Yeah. Oh, I might have misunderstood, but the question is, what does, in your view, what does the future of radio look like um, from a revenue um, point uh, of view? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. you okay. well,
0: yes, about the sustainability. Yes. yes you're right. Sustainability uh, is, a, is a, a real problem. Uh, for those new radio stations, if you can come closer. for those new radio stations, you know, just an overview of how they, they've performed, you have been a manager yeah. at, at two new radio stations.
1: Yes. Okay, my name is Napoleon Yanni. I was a programming manager for Star FM, which is the biggest urban radio station in Zimbabwe. It's a commercial station. And then I moved to Capitok to FM, which is a talk station. So Star FM was a national station. Capital FM is a, a local commercial radio station. Um, for Star FM, it was a little easier Um, because it's national. So in terms of advertising spend, uh, advertisers were were more inclined towards the national stations. And it was new because it was the first commercial station to be licensed after the ZBC, which had a monopoly for about 32 years. And then Stifem was the first to be commercially licensed. So advertisers were excited about that. So up until now, they're still... um, uh, like that radio station. Now, when it comes to local commercial radio stations, which are regional, the one that I was um, managing was only for Harare. There, is, uh, there in lies the real problem because there is a limited uh, reach, so advertisers are not really keen. They're saying, well, if I can go to the two uh, national commercial stations, which is Star FM and ZFM, I'll still get to reach the Harare people anyway. So why come to the Arada radio station? So the local stations are really struggling when it comes to uh, getting advertising dollars. It's also because the uh, industry is not doing well, like um, um, Mama Soko said, and it means that if industry is not doing well, the advertising cake is smaller and smaller, and it continues to grow smaller and smaller with uh, the increasing number of radio stations. So it's it's a challenge.
0: Well, you heard it from the horse's mouth. It's just from there. Uh, <laughs> my view is from you know funded media you know the, the one that re- relies on fundraising at the moment so what napoleon w- w- was giving you as an example is the real situation on the ground but of course with regards to the stations that uh, he was heading so i'd like to thank you very much moderator for the giving me this opportunity
1: okay um our tea break has been uh, pushed back with 5 minutes so i can take two more uh, questions and then we'll wrap up is that okay all right
0: Hi, uh, my name is Madison from the First Radio Academy. Um, I just have two questions. The first being, with all the challenges that you have been facing, how would you like South African media to assist you, um, the government as well, activist groups, etc. What is it that you would like to see pragmatically being done to help the situation in Zimbabwe? And then you also spoke about the silencing of people who are critical of the government. Um, what actually does happen to them if you do decide that you're actually going to go against um, their policies of you not speaking your mind and uh, choosing to invite certain people whom they don't necessarily agree with? And are there activist groups um, that are trying to work against that and what exactly are they doing? Please remind me if I skip some of them. I I think the one that I got first was uh, how... South African media can assist and I can tell you our being here you know, for almost nine years before we moved to Zimbabwe was uh, assistance from South African uh, space because we were able to operate uh, at Bush Radio without any problem. We registered ourselves here without any problem. We moved uh, uh, from Bush Radio uh, to other places uh, near Parliament. We moved uh, uh, to Long Street. Eh? The famous Long Street, we had an office there, yeah. Then we came back here to Mill Park. We operated Radio VOP. We operated uh, Channel Zim without any problem. That was great assistance. We also have attended a number of such conferences where uh, where our networking has increased, where we've also uh, understood best practices in other countries. Like I said, I... I've attended Radio Days from inception when it was still called Radio Days in Johannesburg or Radio Days in Jersey. I remember I attended the very first meeting here. And, and from those meetings, we learned quite a lot. From the meetings happening at Highway Africa in Grahamstown, we also learned a lot about media. Even the kind of media, alternative media, that we have been pushing, also we learned uh, quite a lot from there. And even some of our journalists, you know, including myself, I'm an alumni of Stellenbosch University. We also, we educated here, and uh, that, again, uh, is a plus you know, to your media and your media training uh, institutions. Uh, IAJ has also taken us for a number of courses. And I know he also trained here at the VIT Radio Academy. You know That's why young as he is, he was catapulted uh, to be a, a manager. Uh, but, of course, answering your other question, uh, because... Uh, you know, he brought in uh, and what, what would have been called undesirable. That's why he's no longer there. Uh, I, I'm <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's what happens. And, uh, you know, as a young man, he still has, uh, 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 you know, a, a lot of space uh, to go. But uh, these are some of the things. Some of them are not made public, but, uh, you know, you, you just hear from the corridors that... Uh, no. Some of us, you know, at times we are interviewed, and we never hear those interviews. Sometimes you, you, know, you are filmed you know, at a session like this, but when you watch news, <laughs> you are nowhere in, <laughs> in the news bulletin. So these are some of the things that happen. Uh, and w- when you ask, uh, like I, I, I remember about two weeks ago, uh, the minister and the permanent secretary were asked in parliament about some of these things, and they prof- promised ignorance that they don't know that any people are denied. And what can you do with them if they say they don't know? Or even if the ZBC says no, we don't have any, any problem. We take everyone. You surely you you, you you know, you can take it up over and over again, but that's the situation. I don't know whether I've forgotten your fifth question. Yeah, like the one that I gave reference to, yeah. That if you if you say something controversial, you may you know you may find yourself not being invited to the next programme. <laughs> yes.
1: no, this one. Yes. Oh, thank you very much my name is Clifford and um, my question I, I must say I'm worried that uh,
0: the communities don't have uh, radio stations because of the licensing problem but uh, the question would be since we are now digital uh, is digital platforms or online radio stations allowed but is it allowed in Zimbabwe online radio station have online radio stations. Even some of our stations, you know, we do podcasting. You know, people are getting most of this signal. uh, Some of these interviews, uh, you know, some whole programs and so forth from individuals who are just creative and coming up with some uh, programming. Uh, Some of it, of course, is fake news. There are lots of fake news. You have to be very careful uh, about some of these things, but uh, quite a number of, uh, I will tell you that there are quite a number of breaking news that has been broken by you know uh, digital media you know where you like i told you about the, the you know when the army you know addressed about their concerns on the on the constitution th- that was first broadcast by Sly media on on social me- networks and the zbc only broadcasted after the government had changed